Question for you. Do you enjoy swimming? I'm just curious. How many of you actually enjoy swimming? Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's way more than I thought. So then if you enjoy swimming, you also enjoy the water. And then there's some of you that don't enjoy swimming. And some of you don't enjoy the water. So if you're like me, you enjoy the water. I am not like a really good swimmer. uh, But I can stay afloat. You know, I can jump off the boat, stay afloat. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm not like a speed swimmer. I can't go really fast. That's, that's not me. Um, but I really do enjoy the water. I, I love the water. I was kind of raised going to the lake, and so water has been always really good. A year ago, last, last summer, Kelsey said, the kids need a swimming pool. Hmm, they, they probably do need a swimming pool. Because, you know, Kids need to be outdoors. You know, like, it's just healthy for them to be outdoors. And, and so she was like, you know, our yard doesn't have a whole lot to offer. At the last house that we moved from, there was a tree house in the backyard that I built for my kids. And they were able to play in that. We don't have a tree where we can build a tree house. And so she was like, I think we need a, we need a swimming pool. Let's get a swimming pool. So we have a swimming pool. It's not a little kiddie pool. It's not a big pool. But it's, it's about, you know, like three feet-ish. Yeah, and it's enough to get wet. You can get yourself wet and enjoy that. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, a week ago or so, Carson came to me and, Dad, let's go, let's go swimming. So we got wet. And jumped, I jumped in and, oh my goodness, it was so cold. It just, it's just freezing. But then I got used to it and it just felt great. And he Props to you. Carson is the one who actually, two weeks ago, Dad, can we put the swimming pool up? Yes, we'll get to it eventually. And then, again, Dad, when are we going to put the swimming pool up? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Didn't get to it. If you want to put the swimming pool up, you can put it together yourself. He constructed it all himself. Put it all together and put it up. Good job. Excellent job. Uh, Well, yeah, that's... (laughs) All right, well, so you're wondering what's in my Taco Bell bag, right? Yeah, of course you are. It's a filter. This is a filter for my swimming pool. I don't know how well you can tell from there. This is last year's filter. It's been really well used. Like, really well used. I'm just going to toss this Taco Bell bag over there. It's been really well used. This, this year, Kelsey came to me and she said, Nathan, we, we need to buy more filters. Yeah, we probably do. This is just, all, we just always have to spend money. Okay, let's, let's, get, let's get some more filters. What's the best price? You know, we found the best price for, we got a four-pack. So we're good for a while here, okay? Um, got a filter, Replace the filter. This is the old filter. I, I bring this filter this morning because if you have a pool... By the way, how many of you have a, a pool of some sort? If you, Yeah, there's a, a handful of you. Okay. Um, if you have a pool and if it's a decent size, you need to have a filter. Uh, last year, we turned the filter off. And a, a week went by. And our water turned, started to turn green. 
I was like, ooh, that doesn't look so good. Not very inviting. And then two weeks went by, and it turned really green. I was like, get out of here. It, the water can do that? Like, it really can do that? It was all just slimy. We, when we took it down, oh, my goodness, never again. Be, I was, it was just so filthy. Just, just this thick slime on the bottom of the, the pool. Ugh. A filter is important, right? A filter is important. I, I realized after I saw the green pool just how important the filter is. But you know what? I can't take this filter and say, hey, I have a filter, and I ran it one time over the summer, and ah, that'll be good enough. No. And I, I cannot take the filter and say, well, I run it once a week. Surely that's good enough. I'll just run the filter once a week and I'll be, that'll be good. No, a week is enough time for it to go by and it to get dirty. It starts to get dirty. The passage of scripture that I want us to look at this morning, I want to, to work through with you, ties in with this. So what I want you to do right now, whether you're listening online or whether you're here with us, Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to turn there myself. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus teaching here what is called the Beatitudes, these blessings Blessing again means truly happy. It means approved, approved by God. So this is the way to be approved by God. This is the way to be truly happy in life. And again, this, this teaching that Jesus gives to us is upside down. It's paradoxical. It goes completely contrary to what we would think naturally. Using our own minds, this goes contrary to what we would think. So, beginning with verse 1, Matthew 5, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they are the ones who will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And now where we're at today, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are the ones who will be filled. Okay, at first glance, hearing those words, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the sense of a filter. You're not seeing a lot of connection. A filter, what are you talking about? You just read the words, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are the ones who are going to be filled. They are the ones who will be satisfied. You're talking about a filter? What? Bear with me. So in, in the Greek language, when these words are used here, the idea is, Blessed are those who... Continue to hunger. Blessed are those who continue to thirst 
for righteousness. Because they are the ones who are actually going to be filled. Those are the people who are actually going to be satisfied. People who continuously hunger, continuously thirst for righteousness. They are the ones who are filled. They are the ones who are satisfied. It is not enough to hunger and thirst for righteousness one time. Do you hear me? It is not enough just to simply, uh, I had that moment where I hungered and thirsted for righteousness. No. Jesus says, blessed are those who continuously hunger and continuously thirst for righteousness. They are the ones who will be satisfied. Does this irony surprise you? The people in life who are satisfied are the ones who continuously hunger. The people in life who are satisfied are those in life who are dissatisfied. The people who are satisfied are the starved. All I can think of is this little kid tape that Kelsey has that she had in the 1980s. It's on a cassette tape. And it says, I'm starving, Marvin. That's all I can think of right now. Blessed are those who are starving. Those who are hungry for righteousness. Because when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're actually the ones who are satisfied. But this continuing gives us this idea of, I don't grow complacent. I don't get to this point of, well, I've arrived. No, I continuously hunger and I continuously thirst for righteousness. And the irony of this is that when I continuously hunger for righteousness, guess what? I'm satisfied. I'm actually satisfied. My question for you, each of you, this morning as I have had to ask myself this last week, and I continue to ask myself, do you hunger for righteousness? Do you actually hunger and thirst for righteousness? Our culture does not hunger and thirst for righteousness. I do not see this in our culture today. You do not see this in our culture today. No, our, our culture hungers and thirsts to be right. That's all we care about. I care that I'm right. Even if I'm wrong, all I care about is that I'm right. Put up your dukes. Ooh, the, last, the last few months have been intense in America. So much division. So much chaos. I, yesterday I was, I was talking on the phone and I was just thinking, I have, in my lifetime, I have not seen so much disunity. 
So much unrest. People are just bothered. People long to be right. But our culture is not longing for righteousness. Our culture hungers for pleasure. Our culture hungers for power. Our culture hungers for influence. I want to be influential. Our culture hungers for beauty. And our culture hungers for self-glorification. Yeah, those are the things that we hunger for. Righteousness? No. We don't hunger for righteousness. I have to ask the question, is the church any different? In the church, are we hungering and thirsting for righteousness? In the church, do we actually hunger and thirst for righteousness? I'm sorry to say, but I don't believe that I see Christians today hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I, when I look at Christianity today across America, what I see is Christians who prefer just enough religion to save them. And yet the ability to retain my ease and comfort, I want to just blend with society. Don't make me different. I think the more polarized America becomes, the more living the Christian faith is going to cause us to just stand out and be different. We can't blend. We are not the same. And for us as Christians, we have to be okay with that. But I see Christians, and I am oftentimes honestly even guilty of, I want to blend in. I want comfort. I want a life of ease. Don't make it hard. Don't make it harder than what it needs to be. And the, the idea is, I got fire insurance. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm good to go now. And yet God is calling us to so much more than that. And I don't know that Christians today are okay with that. Are we okay that God is calling us to more? He's calling us to righteousness. Blessed are those, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're the ones that are going to be satisfied. They're the ones that are filled. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? I want to hear from you. And I've asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it again. How do you define righteousness? We need to just get a a basic understanding here of what Jesus is talking about. Can I hear from you? How do you define it? If you're listening online, answer that question in your mind or even type it in um, the space bar there. How do you define righteousness? How do you, Mike? Fairness for all. Fairness for all. Okay, good. Thank you. Someone else. How do you define, Doreen? What's that? Excellent. God's truth. How else? Yes. Uh, Ruthie. Excellent. Compassion for all and for the fellow saints. Excellent. Good. Yes, Ron. Good. A desire to please God. Good. Anyone else? Jeremy. In upright standing. Good. Is there one more? Trust. Someone said trust. Allison did it. Thank you, Allison. 
I, I've shared before that when I think of righteousness, the way I was taught when I was younger was righteousness means to be right with God, in a right standing with, with God. I, I looked at Webster's Dictionary, and I'm not suggesting that Webster's Dictionary is always the best place to go, especially for biblical terms, but I wanted to know how they define it. And Webster said, righteousness is acting like the divine. It is being free of guilt and sin. It is to be morally right. That is righteousness. We need to understand that righteousness is an attribute of God. God is righteous. He is the one who is free of sin. I am not defined this way. I'm sinful. The Bible actually says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, that all of our righteousness, all of my righteousness, all of your righteousness, exactly, it's like filthy rags. When, when my socks get a hole in them, I take them and I put them in the sock bin in, in, our, in one of our closets. And I know that that's the place where the holy socks are. I can get those whenever I need them, and I use them as a rag, and I use them on the car. So if I want to make the, the, the wheels look real pretty and get them all shining, that, you know, guess which rags I use? Those rags, okay? Those rags get pretty filthy. Isaiah is saying here, he's saying, the very best that we have to bring to God, the very best that I can give to God, my own righteousness is like filthy rags. The very best I can give God is, it's filthy rags. That's my righteousness. 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse 9 says that those who are not righteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, had no sin, to be sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. There's an exchange. Faith in Jesus. Following Jesus, he takes my sin and gives me his righteousness. Because my righteousness is like filthy rags. And so Jesus is willing to give me his righteousness. He who had no sin takes my sin and makes me righteous. He, what theologians call, justifies me. He justifies you. Justification is this, declared righteous. 
I may not act righteous, but I am declared righteous. Because of my faith in Jesus, because of your faith in Jesus, we are declared righteous. That is my child. That is Allison. She placed her faith in Jesus. And because of that, because of her faith in Jesus, she is declared righteous. She is in perfect standing with God. God doesn't see her sin. God sees the righteousness of Jesus. That's justification. Do we hunger for that? Do we hunger for that? That righteousness. But I want to tell you, I believe that that righteousness goes on. It doesn't stop with salvation in the church. What we call the moment we got saved, when we got born again, it doesn't stop there. And this is where I fear that we oftentimes stop. Well, I'm saved. I'm okay. Like, I'm saved. I'll be in heaven. So my position's secure. I'm okay. I believe that God longs for us to continue to strive and continue to hunger for righteousness. But this is where I wonder if we as believers are truly desiring righteousness. Do we desire it? Do we desire to be more like Jesus? Do we desire to honor Scripture, to know it, to follow it? Or do we prefer comfort and ease? Is our mind set on the next vacation I'm going to take? That's where my mind is at. Or is it actually on hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Am I more focused on growing my bank account? Or do I long for righteousness? Am I more consumed with having my own way? Being right in a relationship with people? Am I more concerned about working myself up the social ladder? Or am I truly... Pursuing righteousness. Am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Do I cave to the same level of perversity that is found in our culture today? Or do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? If we're honest, a lot of times we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness as I believe that we should or as Jesus longs for us. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who continuously hunger and continuously thirst for righteousness. They are the ones Who will be satisfied? A couple of scripture passages here I want to share with you. Don't turn there. I'm just going to reference these. John 17, verse 16. Jesus tells us that we are not of the world. Just as he is not of the world. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 Paul's prayer is this. May the God of peace sanctify you, set you apart, make you holy, 
May the God of peace set you apart. May he sanctify you how much? Completely. May he do this completely. Philippians 1 verse 6 tells us, Paul again as a human author, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God started a good work in you. Guess when that was? It's when you placed your faith in Jesus. It's when you connected the dots and you said, Aha! I'm sinful. I'm guilty. I need the blood of Jesus to forgive me. I place my faith. I want to follow Jesus. And that began this lifelong process. We are, we are very much in this process. I'm 42 years old. I am in process. If God gives me another 40 or 50 years, I am going to be in process. Changed more and more into the image of the Son. That process will only happen if I hunger and thirst for righteousness. And guess what? That is the only way I'm going to be satisfied. If I believe that I can do things on my own, if I decide, well, I'm just going to do things Nate's way, I will just pursue life on my own. I'm not satisfied. Because you can follow this, can't you? If Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. It makes sense then, doesn't it? That those who don't hunger and thirst for righteousness will be unsatisfied. And that's what I see in our culture. I see a lot of people who are unsatisfied. I see a lot of people who are unfulfilled. And sometimes I see this in the church. For us as believers, where we are just, I'm a little bit unsatisfied. If we are unsatisfied, I think the red flag ought to go up. We ought to pay attention and say, Lord Jesus, am I truly hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Or have I placed something else in place of righteousness? Have I said, well, I'm going to pursue this? If we're unsatisfied, I think we are probably pursuing, hungering for the wrong thing. Again, do we recognize that following Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, to deny our desires, and even those things that in our mind we believe are going to satisfy us? Think of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Is this doom and gloom? I mean, part of me preaching this, I, I think there's this part that says, uh, to be satisfied I have to pursue righteousness. Come on, there's a lot of things I want to pursue. There's a lot of things I want to pursue in life. You guys heard me. I'm going to go on vacation next week. I'm looking forward to it. Ah, the church gives me three weeks here every year. I use every day. I look forward to that. I like to get away. I love to spend time with my family. We're, we're going to go 
Uh, we're gonna, three years ago, this is a rabbit trail, whatever. We're going to go, we're, we're going to go down to, um, we're going to travel down to Florence. We're going to stay up in Lincoln City. I'm going to travel though, down to Florence. Three years ago, we took senior class, the last senior class that I had. Wyatt, you were playing. Remember this. He was in the senior class. I just connected this right now. Okay, we, we went down to Florence, rented a dune buggy. It was a blast, wasn't it? Like, that was incredible. 60 miles an hour. Like, oh man, that was like so fun. A half an hour, just exhilarating. Like, we had to wear goggles and helmets and everything. And like, you're, you're going over those, those, around those dunes, just flying at 60 miles an hour. And you're just like, whoa, that's an incredible ride. Kelsey, when we were done taking the senior class on, on, on that trip, she was like, Nathan, we got to take the kids. We got to take our kids. Okay, so Trenton is going to, he, he's a graduate. We fly him out here in a month to Kansas for college. So we're like, we haven't done it yet. Kelsey's like, we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to do it now. So we're going to take the kids and we're going to go on a dune buggy. Man, we're going to enjoy it. It's fun. Like, okay, so I'm not like, I'm not preaching this message of doom and gloom. All I'm saying is if I believe that my satisfaction is going to rest in a doom buggy, think again. Or anything else that I want to put my hope in or just like, yeah, that's where life is found. I'm mistaken. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they are the ones who are satisfied. As a church, we need to wake up. I need to wake up. Am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness? When I look at the church today, I would say, we're not doing well at hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Let's hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to be filled. Don't you want to be filled? Don't you want to be satisfied? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Take your Bible. One more passage. And I need to, I need to bring this to a, a close here. But Isaiah. So turn back in the Old Testament to Isaiah. Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. I, I love these, these words here. I need to understand that this is God speaking here. God speaking to us. And I want you to hear these words that God is saying. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come. I love the invitation. Come. God says, come to me. Come, all you who are thirsty. Are you thirsty? Come. And you who have no money. If your bank account is not what you want it to be, good news. It's okay. Come, even if you have no money. 
come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And now here, verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will find delight in the richest affair. Listen. God says, listen to me. I love the question that God asked there. And I feel like it is so applicable for us today, myself included. Why are you spending your money on things that will not satisfy? Why are we pursuing wrong things? Jesus said, you want satisfaction? Pursue righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Then and only then will you be satisfied. Then and only then will you be filled. Jesus came to bring life and bring it to the full. If we say... I'm not seeing the full. I am strongly suggesting that you're pursuing the wrong thing. You have somehow convinced yourself that you are pursuing the Lord Jesus. But you are really pursuing something else. This is convicting for me. Because it's so easy to pursue the wrong thing. It is so easy to long for a life of ease. I feel like my life has been flipped upside down in the last few months, as you feel like that. And, and then I, I think, oh, if that's the case, is that, what's, what's the worst? If that's what it is, Lord, then it's okay. You're still on the throne. You're still in, control, you're still in charge. I'm still trusting you. What am I looking to? What are you looking to? To find satisfaction. It is found when we pursue righteousness. I need to conclude here. Suppose I am convicted that I don't long for righteousness as I should. Let's just say that those listening online or those here this morning, as I've been preaching, perhaps the Spirit of God is saying to you, well, I think that maybe I'm not pursuing righteousness as I should. I'm not hungering and thirsting for righteousness as I should. Now what? One, confess this to the Lord. Confess it to the Lord. Yeah, but so many other people, I, I mean, it, Nate, come on. Like, you, you, you understand how other Christians are, right? Like, I'm not bad. I know. Confess it to the Lord. Confess this to the Lord. We are, we are so, we, we like to make excuses for ourselves. Well, if you only knew. Confess it to the Lord. 
Lord, I am not pursuing righteousness as I should. Confess it. Two, ask the Lord to create within you a hunger for him. The Bible tells us that when we ask anything, and it is according to his will, the Lord's will, he answers that. I'm telling you, this is according to the will of God. You hear me? This is the will of God. So you ask the Lord, Lord, create in me a hunger for righteousness. He wills this. This is, an, this is a prayer that he wants to answer. The third thing, do your part. Do your part. Remember as a kid, uh, before a test in school, praying, Lord, help me to get a passing grade. Give me a B. You know, an A would be really nice too. You know, praying that. I think that that's a wonderful prayer if you've studied And if you haven't studied, it's a terrible prayer. I feel like the Lord would be just like, hello, come on. Like, like you need to do your part. You study. And and I will be, there have been times in my life where life happened and I wasn't able to study. And I came to the Lord, Lord, I don't usually ask this, but please help me, enlighten me. Open my eyes up to understand how to answer these questions. And sometimes he's answered that. But if I have the ability to study and I don't study, I think the Lord is probably just like, come on, Nate. You know you need to do your part. Spiritually, I think it's the same thing. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do your part. This takes discipline. We're not very disciplined, are we? It takes discipline. So what are those things in your life that you say, you know what, for a season, I put this on the back burner. Or this needs to go. This is a negative influence in my life. Or these voices that continue to come to me, I need to guard against this. But don't just consider those things that you need to silence. Consider those things. What, what do you need to bring into your life? What truth is speaking into your life? And you know that if you are not in Scripture, how? How can the Spirit of God speak and convict you? I'm not saying that He can't. But I believe that so much of the work that God wants to do is found when we study Scripture. The Spirit of God speaks to us and says, this is the truth. Now listen to it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are the ones who are going to be filled. They are the ones who are going to be satisfied. Are you satisfied? Online, are you satisfied? If you're not satisfied, I believe this is an indicator that we are hungering and thirsting 
for the wrong thing. Pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness, faith in Jesus, justification, yes, but also this lifelong process called sanctification. Learning more and more who the Lord Jesus is and how we can follow him. Following in his footsteps. Lord, help. Help us. We need help here. My own life, I need help. So easy to hunger and thirst for the wrong things. If that's the case, if that's been the case of this last week for me, or this last month, or this last year, may we recognize that. Lord, I love it that you are a gracious, compassionate Father, slow to anger. You are abounding in love. I love it that when we come to you and when we confess our sin to you, you forgive us, you restore us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Father, may we, may we truly seek you. I didn't say it in my message, but Lord Jesus, you are righteous. You are righteousness. So Lord Jesus, when we seek you, when we hunger and thirst for you, we are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. May we long for you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. May you be our vision. Now, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.